Let's pray together this morning. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will teach us from your word. Thank you for your grace upon our lives, Lord. I pray that you will use me, Lord. I'm not here to set anybody straight. I'm here to preach the word of God, share from my heart things that I believe and am passionate about and know that work. Lord, I know there are many lives, many situations, and everybody doesn't fit through um, one single uh, round hole. And uh, we all don't come here with bows on our head and we don't all jump through the same hoop very well but lord i thank you for your grace upon our lives and i thank you for principles that all of us can live by no no matter what season in life that we're in we can apply godly principles and those godly principles will work in our lives because it gives way for the power of god to flow to us and through us so lord i pray that the message today will be received And Lord, that um, what is not of you will be forgotten, and what is of you will make a lasting impression upon our hearts. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. And amen. Our text today is Matthew 6, 21. Let's all recite this together from the screen. Are you ready? Here we go. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. We're talking about achieving financial freedom, and today is part two, preparing a freedom plan. And uh, I, I love that title because I believe that God wants us to be free in every area of our life. And today I want to propose a freedom plan for us financially. Uh, what would you feel like today if we put your current financial, your current financial position on the screen so that we could all analyze your finances together. Um, Some of you, I'll move right along with that idea, but some of you would be good with it because you're working God's plan. Others would be probably, maybe, could I say, horrified. Um, And some of you might have very mixed emotions about that whole idea. But the point is, you can tell a lot about a person. Now, You can tell a lot about a person by how they spend money. If we put our financial situation up on the screens, we would be able to figure out how we feel about many things. For example, we could figure out how we feel about God. If there was a record of giving generously and consistently to the Lord, that would show up. Jesus put it this way, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. In other words, wherever we put our money, our time and our effort, our treasure, which is our life, our money, the finances that God has blessed us with, the resources of our time, our talent, our gifts, wherever we put our treasure, our heart or our passion will show up there. A lot of times we want to have passion first and then our time, talent, resources will show up and Jesus says, wherever you put your life, your treasure, your heart, wherever you put that, your heart will come, your passion will show up right there. And that's a wonderful thing because 
Many times as a pastor, people will ask me to pray for them that they'll grow closer to the Lord, that they'll put God first, that, that God will become more of a paramount feature in their life. And I say, then by faith, by faith, put your treasure, your resources, your time, your gifts, your abilities. Take some time and give it to God, and your heart will show up. We'd be able to tell how we feel about other people if we put, put it all up there on the screen with our gifts to the poor, the needy, the helpless, the unfortunate. It would all show up on the screen. We'd be able to tell what we enjoy for fun. We'd be able to tell how much we value by how much we spend, you know, how, we'd be te- how much we value things like our homes and clothing and transportation, our cars and how much we value vacations, because it would all be right there. We'd be able to tell how disciplined we are by our savings plan. You can tell a lot about a person by how they spend their money. Now, if you feel uneasy about this whole idea, what is it about money management that could be embarrassing or maybe even frustrating? What begs you saying to yourself, if this is you today, and I don't know who you are for sure, if it begs you saying to yourself, I must do things different. Last week we said that the Bible has very specific things to say about earning money. We had a couch, and we had referenced some Bible passages that basically said to get off the couch and use the talents and abilities God gave us to earn money. Biblically, we're to support ourselves. We showed that in the Word of God, that we're to support ourselves and family and then have enough left over to help other people. We then talked about others who are earning addicts and how that has to be dealt with too. But our centerpiece last week was Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as unto the Lord. Now if we go out and obey that scripture, common sense says that over the course of a 45-year earning span, give or take, but many of you will have a 45-year earning span. We're going to handle, the truth is, no matter what you make, by world standards, a 45-year earning span, you're going to handle and manage God's resources. Everything we have belongs to the Lord. You're going to manage and be a steward over a small fortune. Everybody in this room. But how are we going to handle it? And that's the discussion today. And God's Word has some pretty specific input on money management. Proverbs 21.20, and I I believe that you have a little outline that you might have been given as you walked in today, and feel free to use that. Proverbs 21.20, that I believe is there on the little outline, yes it is, says, the wise person saves for the future, but the foolish person spends all he gets. Now let's take a poll. No, I'm kidding. 
And the Bible says, number one on your outline, that we are accountable to God for how we spend our money. Now really it shouldn't say our money, it should say we are accountable to God for how we spend his money that he entrusts to us. Some people say this, I earned it, I'll spend it the way I want to. Now there's a great attitude for you. Oh really? And we must always remind ourselves that if God didn't give us the air to breathe right now, in a few seconds or a couple of minutes, we'd be all hurting. And if God didn't give us the abilities to earn money, we wouldn't have them. God didn't give us the talents that you have to go out and work hard and do things that others can't do. You wouldn't be able to earn money. God gave us the ability to earn money. So we're accountable to him as the creator of our earning power for how we manage his money. Second point, money management is a part of our commitment to being a Christ follower. Some folks think that if we're a follower of Christ, we mainly follow him in the spiritual areas of our lives, but then we go out into our real lives and leave God back at this building we call the church. A lot of people frame God up that way. Well, let's get God taken care of so we can go on and live our life. But our relationships, money management, training our children, work ethic, and all that we value, Jesus should be at the center of every part of our life in every aspect of our lives. Amen? Number three, you should never go into Christian leadership unless you first manage your own household well. Paul was very clear in talking to Titus and Timothy about this. With a budget, we're able to figure out how much to make ends meet. When you have a budget, budget, have you, has everyone heard that word before? When you have a budget, now I want to just tell you, what I'm about to share with you, I, I'm, please, I'm not... Bragging on me, God did something in my heart about this many years ago before coming to Calvary that what I'm about to share with you are principles that I applied to my life when I went to work for my dad. You know, back then you got, when you're in full-time ministry on the road, you know, the old days was you, you got, you got board, you got room and board and so much a month. Well, I got room. I didn't get a room. I got a bunk and food. A bunk in the bus and food. And my dad gave me $30 a week when I started in full-time ministry. And that was a stretch for him. Because we didn't have a lot. But, again, I'm not bragging on me. I want to tell you, though, because wherever you are in your financial life, when you put the principle to practice, the principles of God will work in everyone's life. And I am, by the grace of God, started applying the principles that I'm going to share with you today when we made $30. When Kathy and I started Calvary and came to town, and before we were making a salary, before we had steady income from Calvary, way back, 
we applied these principles not only to our personal lives, but to every dollar that came in the offering buckets in this ministry. And, and I want to say that the, it's the Lord's grace, not me, but the Lord's grace that has allowed us to be able to do what we've been able to do in this house, to be able to pay for things that we have paid for, to be debt-free, and to do so much for the kingdom is because the principles of God work. And could I tell you, I know somebody's situation is really bad, and I know somebody here has got a situation that nobody in the earth has ever had your problem before. But I would say the principle still works. I want to tell you, you can't talk me out of these principles. I hope I did. I hope, I hope you received that from my heart. All right, what number are we on? Hmm? Three. Yeah, okay, wait. I'm not there yet. With a budget, back on number three, we're able to figure out how to make ends meet and put a little aside. Now, I want to tell you, there's not a lot of magic or complexity associated with a budget. The Bible says that a prerequisite for leading and working with people is being able to manage money well and being able to manage our own household. God help us if Calvary ever begins having people in leadership that do not know how to manage their own household well and manage money well. We're going to eventually be in a heap of trouble. I want to cycle back to this basic idea out of that Proverbs passage that says we need a plan. A wise person, the Bible says, develops a plan and follows it so God is honored and so we have some reserves. Reserves is a God idea. It is okay to live by faith and still have some reserves. But the foolish person, the Bible says, has no plan, no strategy. And when there's an unexpected problem or an unscheduled setback, they are literally many times in ruin or in a real jam. There's panic, anxiety, feelings of frustration, anger, and even shame. By the way, it's not a sin for anyone here today to be in what we might call or consider poverty. But there is no one here that needs to have a poverty mindset. The world is an uncertain place and we don't want to be at the edge of financial ruin for a lack of a plan. Sometimes when I talk about these kinds of things, a few, so, a few folks say, Pastor, you're going to take the joy out of my life when you talk about this. Could you leave me alone? I don't want to talk about this. But that's not the heart of this. The message is not a noose to put around your neck to choke you. This is a plan to freedom if we implement it and follow it. And we're going to talk about a basic plan that Christian financial counselors have agreed on for decades. And after we're finished, be free to consider any variation. Some of you might have a better plan. And some of you may realize 
that not planning is not working. It's historically been called, and what people know me by when they think of me, if you've been here a long time, of what we have developed and called the 10-10-80 plan. We take, this is a basic concept, and it's a beginning place. It's not an end all. There will come a time in your life when the first two percentages will get greater and the third will get less because of God's blessings and favor. When J.C. Penney began to tithe to the Lord and give 10% of everything that came in through his business, his goal was to be so blessed by God that before he died, he would give 90% and live off 10%, and the 10% that he lived off would be greater than the 90% when he started, and he met that goal. But this is called the 10-10-80 plan. This is a beginning, wonderful, awesome plan. We take our next paycheck, and we determine that there are two things that are always, 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 did I say always, going to be paid out of that paycheck consistently and joyfully. The first is 10% to God. The 10-10-80 plan says we take the first 10% and honor God by giving it to Him. Proverbs 3.9 says, honor God with the first fruits of all you earn. We believe that when we give God off the first, it's not about any 10%, it's the first. We give God our first because we believe the redemptive value, the redeeming value when we give to God first is that there's a redeeming value where it comes back to our life. Maybe not in dollars, but where we need it most. You see, you got to understand, God could make it without your money. But you and I can't make it without honoring him. And God brings it back to us in ways. Kathy and I have prayed for many years as we give our tithe, give our offerings to the Lord. God, bring this back to us because you're promised to bring it back when we give you first. The first check we write is to honor the Lord because we believe that there is a redemptive value when we put him first. And we also believe through a study in the Bible that when we give God first, God doesn't see it as 10%. God sees it as though we gave him everything. That's what first fruits giving is all about. Now, Proverbs 3.9 says, Honor God with the first fruits of all you earn. You say, God, I want to honor and obey you. I know I'm under grace and not law, but my heart knows that grace doesn't lower the rate. God, this is my starting place and my giving journey because it's biblical. I will do it by faith, and then my heart and passion for more of you will show up. I get to be faithful, God, to you because it's all yours anyway. Malachi 8, 3, 8, and 10 through 10 says, Bring the full tithe, the full 10% into the storehouse. The storehouse, by the way, is the local church that we've been called to. Take the first 10% and give it to God by honoring the storehouse, the local church that God has called you to. Please don't take tithe and give it to your children. 
Now, I won't go through all of this, but I believe that when you give the tithe to anything other than the Lord, it has a curse on it. Now, I know that sounds harsh and horrible, but you don't want to give your children money that has been cursed by God. Honor God. Do the principles. Do the Word of God, and the Word of God will work. Work the Word, and the Word will work. Yeah, but my kids need money, and I don't have any other pool of money to give them except the tithe, Pastor. You pray about that. I'm not here to condemn anybody. You pray about that hard. Seek the Word of God. The storehouse is the local church. Almost every time this is mentioned in the Bible, there's a promise of God's divine blessing. When we honor Him with our giving, God honors us back. How? By engaging Himself in our financial affairs. Would you be okay if God decided to jump into your financial affairs and help you? What's sad for me, I'm going to keep preaching. I know it's a little quiet around here this morning, but that's okay. I, I think I'm causing people to think maybe. Maybe the Lord is, I hope. I'm amazed sometimes of how we don't do the principles of God and we get in trouble and then we say, God, why aren't you helping me? And God may be saying, you're not letting me help you. You're pushing me out of your finances, but then when you get in trouble, you want me to jump back in. Every time God puts, or every time someone puts God to the test, he has always proven himself. There are many people here in the sound of my voice that understand this. Many of you are convinced to the point that you would never compromise your giving no matter what. For Kathy and me, that relationship with God is what provides us, listen to this, for Kathy and I, this relationship, this principle, provides us with a sense of certainty in an uncertain financial world. According to the Bible, our biblical giving assures us that God is fully engaged in our financial future. Now the second 10%, to savings. In other words, we're paying ourselves. We take that 10% and put it in a long-range investment fund. That, this isn't mad money. This isn't a mad money fund or a vacation fund. This is long-term. Now, Kathy and I, we invest this in a way that we can't get it back without a huge penalty. That way, it's not even there. It's out of sight. Now, since it's gaining interest, we're not just working for our money, some of our money is now working for us. And all through Scripture, it teaches about having money set aside. And then the third is 80% to everybody else. The butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker. We use that to pay for housing expenses, food, clothing, transportation, vacations, recreation, debt reduction, etc., etc., Additional giving when God leads us to give more than the tithe because we're to give tithes and offerings. 
If we've honored God first and paid ourselves, we'll have much more freedom with the remaining 80% because we're on track. We're doing the principle. We've got a plan and it's working. It's hard. It's not always easy. And you've got to stay to task. But the freedom that eventually begins to come is amazing. And we can know that we're headed towards a positive future. Some of you would never miss paying Mid-American your light, your electric and gas bill. Because you want that gas and electric. But the honest truth is, and I don't say this to hurt anybody, you think more of Mid-American than you think of yourself because you'll make sure that bill gets paid, but you'll many times not invest in yourself, in your future, in your family's future. And in that way, you think more of the people that you owe money to than you think of yourself. Now, I'm not saying don't pay your bills. Hey, we have enough within that 80% to spend an exotic weekend in Milan. Go for it. Enjoy a nice hotel in Chicago and say life is good. And if you can find an appropriate movie to go to, and you always wanted to go, and you always wanted to have a bag of popcorn, and you've given to God, you've invested in your future, and you're living off that 80%, and you've got a little bit of extra money, get a big tub. Live a little. Because we know we're on point, we're honoring God, we're investing in our future and living off the rest. I cannot emphasize how important it is to develop a plan and do it. If we fail to plan, we're planning to fail. Once we set up the 10-10-80 plan, it takes discipline, character, determination to stick with it. Now, what would it look like if you stayed on a 10, 10, 80 plan for a while? Say you're 25 years old right now, and you begin the 10, 10, 80. You make $30,000 a year, and let's just say you have no raises for 20 years. By the time you reach age 45, at making $30,000 a year, and you do the plan, and you have no raises, you'll have given God $60,000 And if you put the second 10% into a mutual fund that earned an average of 10%, you'd have $180,000 in your mutual fund. And if we did that same schedule, the same schedule, the same earning, and we added 3% raises per year over that 20 years, and your employer, let's say, matched up to 3% in your 401k, you would now have $286,000 invested in your future. Now let's just say some of you make a little bit more than that. And let's say your household takes in $60,000 a year. From age 40 to 60. Let's say you don't even start till you're 40. And your whole household income is $60,000. And you started when you're 40 because you're late bloomer. You will have given God from age 40 to 60, $120,000, and you will have $573,000 in your investment fund 
plus the 80%, you would have had a million dollars to live on that 80% during that 20 years. Now, this is the third time I've preached a message like this in nearly 19 years of pastoring this church. A couple in our church came to me when I preached this the second time who are married and showing me their second child. And the guy said this to me, Pastor, I had just gotten out of college the first time you preached the 10-10-80. By the way, he doesn't make a lot of money at that time, about 40 grand a year. And... Um, he said, I decided, I just got out of college, just got my job, gonna marry my sweetheart. I decided I'm gonna give this thing a try. And he said, we just got on the 10 10 80 and we honored God with 10%. The second 10% we set aside and invested into our future. And we just decided we're gonna figure out how to live on 80%, period. And he said, today, pastor, we have our home, we have no debt for anything except a reasonable mortgage payment, and we have money to share with others, and we just had our second child. He told me this. He said, Pastor, please tell people to be as dumb as we are and do this plan because we have freedom, we have a savings, and we have a passion for God because when we gave to the Lord, our heart went to him. I talked with an attorney one time about this plan, and he said, when my parents grew up, they always put cash in envelopes. First, they'd honor God, then they'd honor their savings account, and then they would honor their various budgets and bills by putting cash in envelopes. And he said, at the time, I thought, Mom and Dad, you are so old-fashioned, so basic. Get a life. He said, I went to college, I went to law school, I passed the bar, I spent 15 years in the legal profession building a nice law practice. He said, Pastor, do you know what my wife and I are doing now? I said, no. He said, we're putting cash in envelopes. <laughs> it's taken me half my life to cycle back to what my parents taught me when I was growing up. And their way was far better because it could be followed. It was a plan. It was simple. I could see it. A plastic card was too easy to spend. When it was cash in my hand and I had to give it up, I felt it. Now the question is, if this is so basic and so doable and God would be honored and we'd have a nice nest egg and it would free us up financially, why don't we just stop the service right now, ask everybody in the building to raise their hands and say, I'll make that commitment and just go out and do it. And the answer is because some of you would hesitate. Why? Because we know ourselves too well. We know that somewhere in the dark recesses of our carnal lives is this uncontrollable urge to buy stuff and get off the plan. 
We've tried things like this before and it didn't work because we caved to the pressure of buying stuff and putting our lifestyle above the 80% mark. I want to identify some spender categories to help us understand why we in America break budgets. Then I'll ask you to consider getting on a plan like this. And if you're married, if you're married, it will take both of you to be committed to this or it simply won't work. And there will be black and blue problems. Number one, impulsive spenders. You set up a 10-10-80 plan, you get all fixed up and all fired up about it, but within the first couple of weeks, you're just walking through a store innocently. And over the PA comes this announcement, 50% off. You feel something surge within you. This surge says, I have got to have that. We come up with these outlandish statements. I've always wanted that. It's God that put me here at this moment. God is setting me up. Here's a temptation for all impulsive spenders that I got in the mail one time. True story. I got a check for $2,000. If I would sign it and send it in, they would deliver to my house and set up a huge TV in time for the Super Bowl. The neat thing is it says I have been pre-qualified. I'm in a special category. There will be no down payment and no monthly payments for 18 months. I can watch that TV from Super Bowl Sunday to the summer of 2015 for free. And then it says no interest charges accrued for 18 months. Wow, you gotta do that. But then I looked at the backside with my magnifiers. And it said, when your payments do start in the summer of 2015, your annual percentage rate may vary. <laughs> the rate is determined by the highest prime rate published in the Wall Street Journal on the fourth Thursday of the month preceding the billing cycle plus 11.8%. And then the closing statement said, your rate will never be less than 18.9%. Impulsive spenders get all goofed up and off the plan. They walk through places buying stuff and pr pretty soon they don't and can't honor God. And people are not paying themselves what they deserve to be paid. People are spending 100% of what they earned, not giving to God or, or themselves and still not making it. Then they wonder why God's not helping them. It's his pie. Number two, compulsive spenders. This is someone who has an unmet need in their life, and instead of getting help, they spend as an escape. Get some help. Number three, I'm out of time, revenge spenders. 
revenge spenders. If you take a look at who's in the casinos, many times it's Ma and Pa Midwesterner who have been good all their lives. They've been on a budget for a long time. They've driven a 12-year-old car, but they got sick of being good. So they decided to let loose. We deserve to let loose and spend a little. We've been working hard our whole life. Now, if a nice vacation is in the 80% budget, have a blast. If it's not, go on vacation to grandma's house. Go find something to do to have fun, invest in your family, and you don't have to spend a fortune to do it. And don't go down that road and say, well, everybody else does. My kids deserve that. It's a lie from hell. Excuse me. No, I don't, I don't take it back. But don't take money away from God or your future or freedom is never possible. Four, boredom spenders. Hey, have I mentioned that I love everybody here today? Have I mentioned that? (laughs) Boredom spenders. I have a hard time with this one because I think it's just so dumb, quite honestly. I'm bored, so I'll spend money. How do people spend money they don't have for stuff they don't need? I don't quite get that. If you're bored, take a class. Fellowship with other people. If you got extra time on your hands... We'll receive a much bigger payoff if we do some volunteer work around our church property or go help someone in need. Number five, special interest spenders. Here's a person who starts working the plan. It's all going fine, except they have one little special interest area. I was flying back from Dallas, Texas one day, sitting next to a guy who was reading a Harley Davidson Davidson magazine. I said, do you have a Harley? He said, I've had one since I was a senior in high school, son. Matter of fact, I'm in trouble with the little woman back home right now. He said, little woman, I didn't. I said, why is that? He said, because I took twice what I make in a year and went out and bought me a Harley. I thought to myself, I'm with her. I could understand if she wanted to rip those tattoos off your arm. Watch out for that kind of stuff. Don't let a hobby become your God. If it is, stop it. Get rid of it today. Status spenders, number six. This starts when we're kids. A girl come to junior high in a new sweater, and all of a sudden, if she's an in-girl... All the other kids say, I got to have a sweater like that. In high school, it might be a car with the kids that the kids drive. When we get older, it's trying to figure out where we're going to live. There, there is always peer pressure if we allow it. If we're poor or if we're rich, there is always peer pressure. I was invited to play golf in a charity tournament years ago and wound up with a foursome of men who were way beyond my financial position in life. Two of them flew to the course in their own private jet. One says, have you seen the new G4? I didn't know what a G4 is. I found out later it was a Gulfstream 4. And the other guy says, yeah, I just ordered one. The other guy flew a G2, a former model. When this guy said he just ordered a G4, you could feel the tension around the T. Kathy and I did something many years ago when we saw many of our peers passing us up because of the jobs and the earning power that they have. It was a very spiritual moment for us. 
We did a formal deal with God and conceded defeat. Our whole peer group can pass us up. We're not going to mess up our family trying to keep up with people who are going to pass us anyway. We're not going to spend God's portion or our family's portion trying to keep up for ego needs. We bail. We're free from that. Now, this is a spiritual victory. Some of you here today may need that kind of spiritual victory in your life. Do not take money that should go to God or to savings and devote it to a peer group. Let me remind you of the basic truth of Scripture. You were born for freedom. When Jesus was on this earth, he loved to talk to crowds about freedom. In fact, he said, I'll make you free. And when I do, you will be free indeed. What he's talking about is spiritual freedom plan for guilty sinners who have stacked up huge amounts of moral debt in the face of a holy God. Jesus said, through my death for you on the cross, I will set you spiritually free for all of eternity. That's the spiritual freedom plan of salvation that's offered to those he's called by his spirit. Our sin debt is paid and we can be spiritually free. Once we're spiritually free, Jesus says, don't give back any freedom that's been won for you on the cross and do not go into financial bondage because it takes the shine off of this wonderful gift of freedom that was purchased on the cross. Some people have spiritual freedom, but it's covered over with financial bondage. I would suspect that there may be a few or many that are in trouble financially right now. Somebody is probably thinking, Pastor, where was this message 10, 15, 20, 25 years ago? And I remind you that in the kingdom of God, God always allows us a fresh start today. God's grace is sufficient for everything of your past to be your past and to begin today. Some of you say, Pastor, I got a hole to crawl out of. God's grace will help you. God will help you. You can begin your financial freedom plan today and start a plan like the 10-10-80. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for doing what was necessary to make us free. Thank you for making me free from my debt of sin. I'm so grateful that there's mercy and grace and forgiveness available through what you accomplished on the cross. Thank you for laying out in Scripture a plan to stay free and not let anything, including money, junk us up or enslave us. God, give people in this room the character and courage to adopt a freedom plan today for every area of their life. We pray this in your name. Amen. On your way out today, on your way out today, we created something for you. I was asked to do this, and we created this, a freedom plan. It's a little handout that I'd like to give and offer to every family for $100. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> for free, 
for free. I think we have enough for one per family. Feel free to make copies, give them to people. This will help you with your freedom plan. They are on the glass tables as you leave the worship center doors on both sides. May the Lord find us faithful as we love people to life through healing, training, and worship. You're dismissed. God bless you.